It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. This is another edition of Frontline Friday with my very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you today? Andy, doing super. How are you? Where are you? Super. Um, how are you? Where are you today? Which <laughs> which of your uh, global empire offices are you? I am in the sitting in the right coast today. On the right coast, okay. Yeah, east coast. So kind of orientation. Yeah, we're in. Um, yeah, Manhattan, trying to stay away from the craziness that is uh, midtown Manhattan these days with the uh, president-elect <laughs> operating from his, his tower. <sighs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's probably one we should just not even like venture down that path. Well, no, I wasn't talking about the politics. It was just the... The, the logistics. The logistics, yeah. If you, if you have, uh, especially at this time of year on Fifth Avenue... This is Christmas time. This is when people want to be out on Fifth Avenue looking yeah. at the windows of all the Christmas displays. And, uh, yeah, there's some interruption going on. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting experience over the four years because, you know, when the presidents come to town, um, I don't know if they do this for the president-elect, but once they're in office, you know, they're very... Uh, when the president comes to town, to Manhattan, and they are... You know, they know where they're going. Yeah, they they clear the route. <laughs> and, you know, like if your car's parked on the side of the road, it's it's gone. You know, they relocate cars. Uh, they're quite adept at that to uh, make sure they're all gone. So it'd be interesting <laughs> to see for somebody that, you know, because we only get the occasional visit from a president. But now if, if, you know, for a sitting president that will come to New York very often, it'd be kind of interesting to see what, uh, what sort of turmoil that creates. Better get used to it. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I do keep an eye on, I mean, as much as you can, you sort of do keep an eye on on the travel schedule of certainly the president and is because you're, if you're happen to be coming into a sort of a similar airport at the same time, yeah, you'll be waiting because they clear the freeways, right? And they, they go down and they close all the on-ramps and off-ramps to the freeways so the presidential motorcade can go by and... Yeah, I got stuck once. Uh, it took about, <laughs> about an hour to the trip. So anyway, whatever. Oh dear. So anyway, yeah, let's let's talk about. So for people, I think we talked about this last time. You you have a new new job. True. And uh, you're now vice president of sales for Logs. Dot io, l o g z. Dot io for people who want to look that up. If you're in the big data space, you need to be talking to Bridget. So. Uh, but you have an interesting. Or if you're looking for a job and you're in the Boston area. Oh, okay. There you go. If you're, what sort of job are you looking for? People in the Boston area. Sales, all kinds of sales. So technical sales, some technical aptitude, but definitely Boston and San Francisco. Okay. I would say in, the, inside the or account execs or what are you looking for? Account execs. Okay. So there we go. We'll, so this ties to the topic. This ties to the topic because we want to talk about. Okay, you've done this before. I mean, you're you're creating a sales organization from scratch. In this case, a little more challenging because uh, the center of gravity in this company, in terms of the headquarters, is actually in Israel, and 
you're setting up the operations here in the United States, the sales operations and so on. So just wanted to spend some time in this interview talking about, okay, what do you, how do you do that? How are you setting that up? You know, for the people that are, have startups and aspiring entrepreneurs and maybe, you know, first managers in the door, they're setting up sales team. What, what are you looking at doing? What are your priorities? Well, as you said, Andy, having a company that's based in Tel Aviv, which is 10 hours ahead of me here in San Francisco. So let's just talk about challenge number one, which is time and geography. Mm -hmm. And for a company that is global, and we are increasingly in a global world, and there's more and more companies that are actually coming out of places like Tel Aviv, this is a reality that, that learning how to set up, manage distributed teams is something we have to get, we have to be good at. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm probably in some ways, well, for sure, I, I am not geographically optimal for Logs.io either as a VP of sales because we are, and this was partly my decision as well, in terms of the sales organization, we're going to have the sales sort of center of gravity for the U.S. will be on the East Coast. And I'll tell you why we thought about it. And this sort of relates to, I'll tell you what we're doing, and, and people can extrapolate when they're thinking about mm-hmm. it in their own, circum- their own situations. Headquarters in Tel Aviv, that three additional hours of overlap that you get on the East Coast to uh, Tel Aviv is actually really important. And so that was one factor that we took into consideration. Another factor we took into consideration when choosing when when and where to build out the sales team um, was where can we get talented people that we're looking for at I don't want to say at a price point because that makes it sound um, it's harder for a startup to compete for great sales talent in the Bay Area. Sure. We're not a known entity. We can't always pay the same that that a bigger, more established company can pay. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of movement in Silicon Valley. People don't necessarily stay at jobs quite as long, which can be expensive. For, well, it's expensive for everybody. It can be super different, difficult for a small company. So that was another reason we thought the the uh, Boston market specifically, we've got a good pool of talent. Um, four of the members, there are five people on the executive team. Four out of the five of us have lived in Boston. So we've got networks there, which is also very helpful. Our investors are there. Our lead investor with this last round is there. So just some very practical considerations that we made around where to physically locate a team. So that's one. The second is when we're thinking about our sales model, we're a SaaS business. Up to this point, Andy, all of the sales has been done out of Tel Aviv over the phone with no one meeting, not meeting customers and prospects. Mm -hmm. Very technical. Some very, some very, um, Small deals, but also some very large multi-year deals. The model that we're building is sort of an inside slash hybrid role. So 
we'll have an SDR team that helps with, we get, we get a good amount of inbound, help filtering the inbound. We'll have someone work on outbound. We'll have the account executives, let's say sort of a, a good, solid, mid-range account executive, somebody that's had a, a couple years of experience but is looking to grow their career and mm-hmm. handle sort of some SMB mid-market but also grow. Um, and that's that's kind of how we're thinking about it. Is let's let's start there. We know that that's where uh, the majority of our uh, targets are, kind of in that mid market mid market space. So we want to have the sales reps match and their experience match sort of the, the customer segment that we're going after. Got it. That's sort of a starting point. Maybe you can ask some questions in and around that. Well, sure. So. <laughs> Now do you, now are you regretting having moved from Boston back to the valley? <laughs> Since you just I moved from Boston a year know. ago. Yeah, for people who don't know, I moved. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I came back. I came back for personal reasons, which I needed to. Sure. It's interesting. In I will go and spend a lot of time in Boston. Could definitely move back to Boston. We'll always need a presence in the Bay Area. I found also, Andy, I don't know if I told you this, that when I was living in Boston, I was probably there seven to maybe 10 days a month. I was back in the Bay Area at least a week a month. And then I was traveling in other places. So my primary home is United 22F. That's my. <laughs> that's where I spend quite a bit of my time. Well, yeah, I'm familiar with that, that home. So yeah, I'm sure you I'm sure you are. Right. So I guess the question becomes for a lot of people, it's this issue of remote management of teams, especially a small team at the beginning. Uh, you know, it's pretty crucial because you, know, you got to set the culture, you got to set the, the vision in place and make sure people are you know, aligned with what you're trying to achieve. So what do you see as the particular challenges right now in this early stage to make sure that all gets set up appropriately? Well, the biggest challenge and the thing that we talk about internally right now is where uh, where people are located versus where we want them to be located. So do, I, I talked to somebody actually this morning. I'm, I'm looking, I'm hiring uh, a sales ops person. Mm-hmm. Ideally, that person will be in Boston where the center of gravity is. I've talked to some great candidates in the Bay Area. So the discussion we're having internally is do we optimize on talent? Do we or do we do we keep looking? I'm sure we can find a great person in Boston as well. Like where do we optimize? I tend to I tend to be a location agnostic wherever I can because I just think great talent great talent is really hard to find. So one of the challenges we're having is you know, my network is here. My network is in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a network in Boston, but I am a, a larger one here. So how do we how do we balance location versus talent and known entities and and trying to create these mini pods of people that can be supportive of one another? And And I think at what rate you hire and who is always a challenge. You hire sure. too many salespeople too quickly, and you can get everybody frustrated. You wait too long, 
you, you, you may be behind the eight ball a bit. So trying to figure out what's the right time, understanding how long it takes to get someone un- onboarded, and really for us, creating a culture. We're one team. Well, that's the we're challenge, I think, with the geographic diversity. I mean, I've certainly, as someone who's worked in, what, eight startups, <laughs> is, is um, I mean, work directly and you know, many, many more that I advised is that, that, you know, the issue of when you're getting started about where you people are located, that's, that is a tough one because I found that the most successful ones, quite frankly, were where people were all co-located. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's gotta be a tough decision as you're thinking about that, because as you said, exactly is, yeah, finding good talent. That's not Located where you're, you know, in Boston, let's say for you, and and the challenges of getting everybody together, feeling like they're on the same team. You know, there's there all the hallway conversations, especially a new company, right? I mean, so many things are happening so fast, and sharing best practices and experiences, you know, dealing with customers and so on. Those hallway conversations really become invaluable, and it's it's hard to replicate yeah, those. I know there's, you know, we all use the technology, the collaboration tools, and so on, but yeah, it's not quite the same. Well, and I think, Andy, this is a challenge we've got to figure out. And I think great companies are going to figure this out earlier because what we're seeing increasingly is great employees are demanding, maybe is a strong word, but they're requiring flexibility and where they work and they don't always want to live in, in the hubs where we may want them to live. And we're having to figure out how to accommodate them if we want them to be part of our, if we want them to be part of our company. And so I think about that a lot. How can I create an environment where people may be distributed, but it does, we, we still feel like we're still able to have some of those conversations and we're still, um, we feel connected and we talk a lot about this at logs IO because they're in Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. The headquarters is in Tel Aviv and there's no way getting around the fact that they need to be a distributed company and that they need to have a presence here. And so we have to figure it out. We want to minimize the friction by having these pods of people as opposed to, I'd rather have two pods, 10 people in each pod, than 20 people geographically dispersed around the United States. Yeah, well, for sure. Right. Yeah. Agree 100% on that. So you're talking about your... And it's a challenge. It is, yeah. So you're talking about the account execs earlier, that, that you're really looking for someone with pretty solid technical background. Well, t- technical aptitude. And this isn't, this is Andy, there are different schools of thought on this as well. Um, my first job at Xerox, my hiring manager, and was sort of the, the Xerox philosophy at that time was you really screened for uh, sales acumen. And it, because it's hard to teach certain emotional intelligence, how will you read people, work ethics, some really internal things, self-discipline and motivation. And those are hard to teach. And though you, you, so you, you re, they would optimize on that. And they, th- their philosophy was you get a smart person, you can teach them just about anything. 
And if they've got the other internal drivers, you can teach them just about anything. Mm-hmm. I largely ascribe to that philosophy that that in, I, I look for people that are self-directed and motivated and smart and curious and um, have integrity and, and things like this. And I, f- I feel like we can teach them technical, but they have to have, when I say somebody that's, that's been in a technical environment before, I, I want them to, they'll do better if they enjoy technology. If they have some technical aptitude or interest, they'll just enjoy the job more. And I, it's important to me that the people who I work with and that, that they enjoy what they're doing and what they're learning and what the product is about and that it's just... It's just interesting to them. So I look for people that are that have some technical, at least interest, curiosity, aptitude. If they've been, because I'm looking for a mid-level rep, mm-hmm. typically if they have, if there are, if they are interested, they will more likely have gravitated toward that kind of um, sales environment already. Yeah, I mean, what I look for in, in that type of role is. Someone that embodies what I call systems thinking, mm. right? The right that they, you know, if they're not a real technical person themselves, that at least the aptitude extends to being understand how the whole system works together, right? You know, not just maybe the role that that your particular piece of of software fits, but you know, does, but how it fits into the whole thing, right? That they see from end to end, that they have a, a you know bigger world view about this problem that the customer is trying to solve. And the role you you have in solving it, so uh, to me that's yeah. a, that's another <laughs> that's layer. And I yeah, I really like people. And I, yeah, I, for years sold these you know large complex communication systems, and yeah, I had people that had some technical aptitude, but if they could really see the big picture, ah, oh, the chances of them succeeding were much. Well, first of all, that meant they were more curious because they'd gone out and learned and have this this bigger picture orientation, which to me almost always translated into greater odds of sales success. Yeah, it's a really, really, really good point. How do you, how do you interview for that? That's a good question. Uh, you know, it's it's. I have to think back some of the some of the, the interviews that I did. Yeah. But yeah, in some cases, it's it's just talking about what they've done, right? Mm-hmm. And how they approach solving an issue for a previous customer. And to me, that was. One of the things I really wanted to dig into is, you know, give me examples, you know, hard examples of things that you have done, you know, start at the beginning, take me through the thought process. How did you arrive at the solution? And if you really, you know, spend time really digging in on that and, you know, not taking answers necessarily at face value all the time, but, you know, prodding, probing, you're going to uncover, you know, is this person, hey, you know, they couldn't have lived without the, you know, the technical engineer next to them, sales engineer next to them, or, you know, what could they really do on their own and how are they able to drive this? And you'll begin to uncover that pretty quickly. But just take some, again, it takes probing. And a lot of hiring managers, you know, they want to ask the superficial questions, but it's better to go deep. Yeah, good, really, really good point. I, I'm going to add that to my list of qualifications, because I agree with you. I think that's a really important one. Somebody that's looking for, that's able to see the big picture and is a systems, I like that phrase also, a systems thinker. The other thing that's important at Logs.io, and I'm sure it's important in other companies as well, is the cultural fit. 
And that's when we're trying to build one team. When I was, uh, I was at reInvent this last week, the big Amazon conference mm-hmm, in Las mm-hmm. Vegas. And there's a couple new members, our first U.S. sales hire, so a sales engineer and uh, one very senior account executive, myself, and my director from Tel Aviv, my sales director from Tel Aviv uh, was over as well. And she'd said to me, okay, I want to take a picture of the U.S. team. And I said, no, I don't want you to, I, I want this, we're one team. I don't want to start thinking about us so early as the U.S. team and the Tel Aviv team. Let's let's think about us as a single team. And this, it's a little thing. That's a big but, thing. But it's also a very big thing, is that we're one team. And hiring people that are of this mentality, the two that I, that I hired, I've worked with before, and I know how they are. I, I know that they are very team-oriented. They're super hardworking. Um, they're people who say yes whenever they can. Mm-hmm. These are That's a good cultural fit. And, and being a good cultural fit is as important as any of, the other, any of the other qualifiers that I'm looking for. Well, and I think that this whole idea of teamwork and being on the same team is really important because too often, in, especially in tech startups, you know, there's the technical team and the sales marketing team. And even the sales and marketing <laughs> could be separate teams. And yeah, having having a culture that says, look, we're all one team. You know, we may do different roles, but you know, we support each other. When, you know, without all of us working together to the same goal, we're just not gonna make it happen. And I I started thinking about this this week as I was ran into it at the airport this week, I ran into a former colleague from a company I'd worked with. Uh company had started small and we'd gone public and there are a pretty big company now, but one of the things, even back then, this was you know twenty years ago, is we didn't have a sales function, mm. and you know the company is well over a billion dollars in revenue, um, and they still really don't have a sales function, and yet they sell these really large deals. How uh, do they do that? Well, because they they bring together the team of people that have to work together to make it happen, you know, from all the disciplines required to to work with the customer to, to make it happen. And this guy was telling me about a $350 million deal that he had worked on the closed. Um, you know, that's, there was a big team that was doing it, but there was, you know, project managers and there was a, a lead sort of quote unquote business development person, but who was also very technical in their background. But, you know, they, that's the way they handle opportunities. You know, we bring together the right, the right disciplines to be able to do it. But, you know, they've grown to the size where I think they have one division where they have some people that are formally labeled sales, but for the bulk of the company, no. You know, this is a discussion that we've also had internally when just thinking about designing comp plans and quotas and that sort of thing mm-hmm. is on the big deals, it really does take a village. And Oftentimes, I mean, and, and not to take anything away from the salespeople because it's they certainly are huge in, in what they do, but it often requires like this team of uh, maybe a product manager, it's a CEO, it's somebody in development, it's product, it's a, a, a sales development rep. There's so many people that came together to make that deal happen, mm-hmm. and 
how do we make sure that we recognize appropriately all the different people, especially in big, large, complex deals that come together to help uh, to help bring something to the close? It's yeah. often is a big than just uh, people on the sales team. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I mean, that's that's. I'm gonna hopefully I'm gonna try to find someone from that company to bring on the show to talk about how they do it without a without sales. Oh, because, I'd love it. I'm always curious. Because they're selling. Always curious about that. Right? Right. They are selling. There's no doubt. They are selling. But how they do it is a, a different model than a lot of companies. So, well, Bridget, we're going to wrap up this uh, episode right now. As always, pleasure to... We're going to spend a lot more time in the future as you continue to grow your organization to talk about this. Uh, but as always, pleasure to talk with you. And, uh, and likewise, and good luck with the traffic jams out there. <laughs> In yeah. yeah, we'll keep everybody updated on that as well as we go along. So, Bridget, thanks. Friends, thank you for listening again on this episode of Frontline Friday, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com. 